Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. SBF stands for Sam Bankman Freed. And he is a 30-year-old now holed up in the Bahamas. After losing billions of dollars in not only his own money in terms of value for his company, FTX, but billions of dollars of clients who utilized his platform and he took their money to engage in some pretty sketch investments. But all of that is secondary to this Ukraine connection. Dear Lord, if I had only known that I could be doing business in Ukraine and making bank, everybody doing business in Ukraine is making a crazy amount of cash. I was not notified. Really and truly. So I'm just very angry about this. Tony Katz, what's going on, everybody? Tony Katz today. 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. That is the number, 833-GOT-TONY. Let me share with you this story. Now, I will admit, I got turned on to this story by accident because I was on News Nation. This was last week. And... um. I was on News Nation uh, with Leland Vittert, and he's like, hey, I want you to come on the show and talk about um, what's going on with with uh, FTX, which is a crypto platform, and how they lost all this money. And what you learn in that story is that Sam Bankman-Fried started a company called FTX, and FTX has a whole bunch, whole bunch of celebrity people who were connected to it. And when I say a whole bunch, I mean a whole stinking bunch of people. Get hurt. I, I think about, though, the sort of the responsibility, and, and you make a great point about uh, about how he ingratiated himself uh, throughout Washington uh, with money. Uh, celebrity with money. partnerships of F- FTX, Tom Brady, Giselle, Steph Curry, Aaron Jones, Trevor Lawrence, sports partnerships, Miami Heat Arena, Monumental Sports, Golden State Warriors, Major League Baseball, Mercedes F1, uh, TSM Esports. That's a lot of companies that FTX was in business with. This crypto platform and this guy, Sam Bankman-Fried. Now, I may keep mentioning his name because people will refer to him as SBF because it's a it's a he's got the hyphenated last name. So SBF, it's AOC, it's SBF, it's it's all uh, incredibly hot garbage. IHG, I guess, is our new term. I don't know. We can come up with a better one. I just did that on the fly. People were utilizing his platform, wildly popular platform. $16 billion is what he was worth and what he, ha- what he had there in, in, in assets. And he took $10 billion of other people's money. And he gave it to a company called Alameda to engage very, very speculative investments. Sam Bankman-Fried also owned Alameda. 
He'd actually founded Alameda before, if I have the story correct, before FTX. He took $10 billion, gave it to Alameda, his own company, to do these speculative investments, figuring he'd make the money, put it back, I guess, before anybody noticed, and it didn't work out. It fell apart. Well, the people who had invested and were utilizing FTX were like, my money. And they immediately started coming for their money. And so he did what people do. He shut them out. He shut them out. Prevented them from getting their dollars. A couple days later, uh, I think it was election day, he resigns as the CEO of the company, and he and his co-founder, a guy by the name of Gary Wang, head to the Bahamas, where they then try and make their way to Dubai. Why Dubai? There's no extradition in Dubai. The Bahamians have said, you know what? You're under supervision. That means that Sam Bankman-Fried and this guy, Gary Wang, are not going to be leaving the country. Now, I don't know who Gary Wang is. That might be a pseudonym. It might be a cover. I have absolutely no clue. The story could end there, but the story doesn't end there. Now, the reason I was on, um, I was brought on News Nation was this idea of doesn't this show that we need to have regulation of crypto. You have Janet Yellen, the Treasury Secretary, wanting regulation of crypto. And I'm like, absolutely not. Uh, oh, uh, very much. There should That should be, uh, to an extent, a guiding principle. That it, it, right, the Wild but, but, West but hold on, doesn't but Tony, make Tony, the Tony, end if I, if, I walked, if I walked down to a bank, if I walked down to, to Chase and I put in uh, a deposit, uh, I put in my $10, they can't go loan that $10 out and make speculative investments in an investment company that Jamie Dimon, all, the head of Chase, also runs uh, and use my money as collateral in those, in those investments. That, that just, you can't do that. So is that regulation okay, but we shouldn't regulate crypto companies? We're, I think you're going about it the, the, the wrong way. The argument is not whether or not someone should. In this case, it happened. It's the idea of did you ask what kind of investments they're going to utilize with your money? What is the responsibility of the person engaging the investment? There are many people who got into the world of crypto figuring it was Vegas, or they figured, well, it's all going up. It's just the thing to do. you got to get in. This is where the money is, baby. And they never once did any level of due diligence. What happened to the people who took loans on houses talking about the housing crisis that they knew they couldn't afford why is it that they aren't held responsible i do believe in personal responsibility and that was the argument that i made just a few days ago on news nation no by the way this guy stole he should be sued out of existence. There could be charges against him. I don't oppose that. I just don't think I have to engage in regulation on crypto, especially from a U.S. government that would have no idea what it's doing. But what they want to do is destroy crypto. And I'm telling you, you'll start hearing, well, the reason that we've got inflation and all this economic upheaval is because of the crypto markets. We really have to regulate them. Guaranteed scapegoat is coming and its name is Bitcoin. Let me now do the follow up. The follow-up story has to do with Ukraine because this guy, Sam Bankman-Fried, 
was very interested in being supportive of Ukraine. And he wanted to raise money, a crypto donation website, to help Ukraine. And so they did. They created an FTX back. They created via FTX a cryptocurrency donation website that was launched by the Ukrainian government. Now here's where it gets interesting. Ukraine was putting its money into FTX. What money? Well, according to the reports, the money they were getting from the U.S. government So the dollars that Joe Biden and the rest have committed to fighting the Russians, that money was going into an account in the FTX world. It's at this point you should know that the second biggest donor to the Democratic Party in this election cycle Sam Bankman Freed. The money the United States, your tax dollars and my tax dollars, was giving to Ukraine to fight the war against the Russians was being put into an account via via FTX, and it was Sam Bankman Freed who was donating millions of dollars to Democratic causes. As a matter of fact, it was Sam Bankman Freed who was the darling of the political left, who was there on Capitol Hill and was advising members of the Senate and members of the house on what how to bring about regulation to the world of crypto holy crap is right so this story is not just the standard story about some jerk face who stole people's money this looks like a money laundering operation And this is the guy, and the Democrats may want to try and forget about it, and certainly they're going to get uh, media uh, love in forgetting about it, but holy cow, lots of bad connections here. Hoo-wee. People got to go to jail, and there are people you simply cannot trust. You cannot trust. Who in the Democratic Party knew what was happening? Who benefited from Sam Bankman-Fried? Where is that money? What elections did he most put dollars into? And did that create any effect? A guy who very much looks like he was laundering dollars. Oh, I'm sorry. You see, maybe, maybe if I said it this way, you would, you would have uh, the government paying uh, uh, attention to it. It turns out this guy was taking money over here, putting it through there, and then giving it back to the same people who put the money in, and all of a sudden the money was clean. How did that happen? There you go. Now, now set up the RICO predicate and see what you could do. No? No? You you don't need that? Okay. Time for an investigation. More to get to. I'm Tony Katz. I can 
So Twitter continues to be this big news story and changes being made by Elon Musk and some of them interesting and some of them haven't worked out. And specifically how people have been able to um, spoof other people by getting verified and then just changing uh, their, their, their name. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. And the most recent of these involves a senator by the name of Ed Markey, a progressive out of Massachusetts. And what happened is, is that uh, the the uh, senator sent out a tweet, and Musk actually responded to it. Right, the the, the senator puts out a tweet. It was a, and and Musk responds. Um, what's interesting is that it wasn't actually. Marky's Twitter account. The Washington Post worked with a senator, Ed Markey, to set up a Blake, uh, a, a fake account. They knew it was false. They did it together to then try and show exactly the problems with uh, this $7.99 a month Twitter blue, blue checkmark thing. There's a problem with not verifying people on Twitter. Say it differently, right? One way would be journalism. If you could say that we were able to create this fake account and Elon Musk fell for it. This isn't safe, right? We would accept that just like we would accept a Project Veritas video. This was a U.S. senator saying it's okay to violate Twitter's terms of service. Uh, Senators don't have uh, that, that, that right. Senators don't have that right to say, yes, you can do this. He was engaged in a hoax against a company. What's interesting is that what uh, Markey writes is that a Washington Post reporter was able to create a verified account impersonating me. I'm asking for answers from Elon Musk, who is putting profits over people and his debt over stopping disinformation. Twitter must explain how this happened and how to prevent it from happening again, to which Elon Musk states, perhaps it's because your real account sounds like a parody. He's just the guy is not afraid. But there's a story here. Markey responds, one of your companies is under an FTC consent decree. Auto safety watchdog NHTSA is investigating another for killing people. And you're spending your time picking fights online. Fix your companies or Congress will. Well, that's not threatening at all. That's not in any way threatening or or problematic. It's not like you have this all-encompassing government that's going to decide what you can do and can't do and how you do it. No, no, totally fine. Makes perfect sense. If you don't understand that these people are authoritarians, you don't understand much. You don't understand much. If the Washington Post thinks this is journalism, it could have been, but it's not. It's collusion.
It is the federal government working with the press to take down a private entity. It doesn't matter if you like Elon Musk. I didn't ask and I don't care. You liking Elon Musk, those people, it's insignificant. Look at what just happened. Look at how far people are willing to go to put an end to Twitter when they don't control the message. It's not debate. It is fact. If the question had been asked, the question based on the facts is now answered. Damn. I am very uh, not bothered by what's going on with Twitter. And I only assume that everybody will get spoofed and faked and and it'll all work itself out. It could be damning for a while. And I say this knowing full well that it could happen to me. Right? I'm fully, fully, fully aware. And it, it might suck for a bit. It might suck for a long bit. I'm the one who's there. Now, if someone spoofs me and, and creates a problem, do I get to sue them? Sure. Sure. Well, it just shows that Twitter, no, no, no. It shows the people engaged in activity trying to represent themselves as somebody else. If that's not lawsuit worthy, what actually is? And I do think that there are things that Elon Musk needs to fix here. But I am more interested in the larger story. I Maybe you are too. Look at the insanity. Look at everybody's reactions. Look how much they hate him. Look how much they want to destroy him. They want to destroy anybody who stops them from speaking. You've got Daniel Dresner out there. Daniel Dresner uh, is a professor at the Fletcher School. I think that's it was at GW. I get nervous when politicians threaten corporations. Right. Right. Even those on the political left know that this is bad stuff. But it's happening. Meanwhile, is Trump going to run for president? I'll get into it. I'm Tony Katz. So is Trump going to announce that he's running for president of the United States on November 15th? Maybe. Maybe not. I don't know. He hasn't gone over it with me. And I must tell you, I'm not spending my time fretting over it. I'm not spending any time thinking about it. I'm not. Not not at all. Not in any way. He'll run or he won't run. Maybe he's going to run as a Republican. Maybe he's going to run as as an independent. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. What I know is that there are people out there already endorsing Trump. We saw Lee Stefanik do it the other day. Uh, According to the reports from the Washington Examiner, Congressman Jim Banks is going to endorse Trump after he announces his run on Tuesday. If I was advising Congressman Banks, I wouldn't be doing this. This would not be my move or maneuver, and I like Congressman Banks a lot. I mean, you know, I'm in Indiana. The man's just up the road. He represents uh, the third district. I don't know why he feels the need to do uh, such a thing. Unless he sees some level of future 
in, in, in this? Is this uh, a move uh, into potential leadership? But I think he'd have that move anyway. And does it pay to make that claim right now? If you ask me, am I endorsing Trump for 2024? No. No, I'm not. I see the election much differently. But I see the strategy much differently. I've said before, and I'll say again, if you show me that Trump is the nominee, like it's all said and done, Trump's the nominee, and it's Trump-Biden, of course I'm going to vote for Trump. Of course I am. Because I saw what happened policy-wise, I see what's happening policy-wise, I vote in my best interest. Vote for Biden? Vote for a guy who can't, uh, who can't speak it out? Vote for a guy who constantly gets confused, who constantly stumbles. Vote for a guy who is not a uniter, but an absolutely radical divider. Vote for, what are you, out of your head? A guy who looks in the camera and says, I don't think that uh, Xi Jinping is going to uh, uh, attack Taiwan imminently. Well, dodged a bullet there. What are you talking about? What is the definition of imminent, by the way? Do you really think, do you really believe, really, really, really believe that China isn't going to try and take Taiwan? China is going to try and take Taiwan. China will take Taiwan. And you got to only hope that Biden is smart enough to know this is what you say, but you don't believe it. You're actually making sure you're working to ensure that China doesn't. You do that by weakening China everywhere you possibly, possibly can. That's what you have to do. You have to weaken China. On a military front, you have to weaken them. On an economic front, you got to have businesses pulling out of China and relocating elsewhere. You have to have their debt crush them. You have to have their low GDP crush them. This is how it's done. This is how it's done. So if you asked, yes, I told you I would do Trump over Biden if that's my option. I deal with my reality, not my fantasy. But Trump's not my option. Because I think Trump is a much harder path to victory. Much harder path uh, to, to victory. And I think that to not recognize where America is on the conversation of Trump is pretty nutty. Now, another way to look at it is exactly what I said. Well, if he's the nominee, I'm going to go in that direction. So you might as well push him because he's got this built-in base. That is to say that people like um, DeSantis don't have a built-in base. Let me say for the record, that's nuts. Let me get to a couple other things. If you call him a rhino, you sound ridiculous. If, if you call him the establishment, you sound ridiculous. If you call him uh, just uh, just uh, another, you know, he's endorsed by Jeb Bush, so he's a squish, you sound ridiculous. We're not going to debate this. You sound like fools. But I'm not telling you you can't, because you may think I sound like a fool. Okay. It's so weird that we're connected on so many things, but this is this this unbelievable divide moment. But it is what it is. It is what it is. Me, I want to win. I want to win. And to win, you have to know how to use force. To win, you have to know how to use strength. To win, you got to put forward candidates that can connect. I've long talked about connection. 
connection matters. I have talked about reaching into neighborhoods. I have talked about, like myself personally, dear Lord, how come I have not been invited to speak in a black church? What does it take to get invited to speak in a black church? Come on. I want it. I desperately, desperately want it. I want to get invited to speak to the places that are like, who who would have Tony Katz? My God. You disagree with me? I want to talk. I want to talk. You've never heard someone like me deliver the message? I want to do it. I don't understand why we would think that someone based on some weird characteristic or not weird characteristic, therefore has to think a certain way. It is fakakta crazy nuts. Crazy. But I don't think it's so crazy to recognize that Trump has baggage that I don't think creates value. I think it creates too many negatives and I think it exists in too many spots. And so therefore, he's not my guy because he is not a let's go win this thing guy. And I don't believe he has coattails. And I think this election showed it. I think that moment has passed. Now, a lot of people are talking about the former governor of Indiana, the vice former vice president, Mike Pence. They're not talking about him like that. I mean, so we're clear. They're, they're in no way actually having a, a conversation about him as, as an actual candidate. That's not how it works. That's not how any of this works. You know, I like the vice president personally. I like Mike Pence. He's been very, very nice to me. Uh, I, I appreciate him. I, I happen to like him. I will also give him a, a kudo. He is... The most steadfast person you may ever meet. No one can stay on message quite like Mike Pence. There he was January 6th. When, and I said, I did not like the way Trump handled January 6th. The vice president was in danger. Why wasn't help sent in to get him? Because he didn't do what you wanted to do regarding um, uh, something he wasn't allowed to do. And so we're clear, he had no constitutional authority to engage the rejection. That's not under his purview. We're not going to even agree to disagree. Yeah, I guess, I guess, guys, in order to make sure we, you, everyone understands where I'm going forward, you, you, things I have said for the past two years, it's not like I'm going to somehow turn my back on. That's not how it works. He didn't have the authority to, to reject electors doesn't have it and for two years he has been waiting for this moment for two years he's been slowly building himself back up for two years he has been engaging in conversations he has been doing speeches he's writing the book and when asked by david Meir on abc about whether or not he was okay with some of trump's reactions on january 6th members were barricaded inside the house chamber mm -hmm. And in the middle of it all, you can see that the president has tweeted. 2.24 p.m., the president tweets, Mike Pence didn't have the courage to do what should have been done. It angered me. I must... 
tell you what those few seconds of silence are all about. Because I had to go back and check. It's about eight seconds of silence. Maybe maybe it's a full 10 seconds of silence. 10 seconds of silence. And there's Mike Pence sitting on the chair on a chair in front of David Muir of ABC. His legs kind of spread apart. And his right leg is a little extended out towards David Muir. And he is tapping his foot. He's tapping his foot. As he's thinking about it, he's nodding up and down. He has to reset where he wants to look, where he wants to put his eyes, where he wants to put his head, his hands clasped in his lap. It angered me. What I'm here to tell you is that Mike Pence is a guy who understands the answer to the question that he's going to answer, not even the question that he was going to be asked or that he was asked. He knows the question he's going to answer. You have never met anybody who could stay on message like the former vice president, Mike Pence. He had prepared for that and that moment for two years. And I cannot tell you, although there are definitely other people who know him better than I do, I cannot tell you whether that was rehearsed or whether that was him making sure that no matter how he felt, he gave the answer that he had prepared to give. But I turned to my daughter who was standing nearby and I said, it doesn't take courage to break the law. It takes courage to uphold the law. I mean, the president's words were reckless. It was clear he decided to be part of the problem. He goes on to say that Pence, uh, that, that Pence says that Trump endangered him and his family. And let me be clear. I believe that to be the case. But it's kind of not properly said um, in, in, in that the people who in, engage the Capitol put you in danger. It's that Trump didn't do anything to get you out of it. And I believe that Trump owed that to the country. I believe that. And that is something I have never been okay with. Was it insurrection? No. Did Trump incite insurrection? Absolutely not. You have not convinced me nor sold me with all of the really important investigation the January 6th committee has done. I mean, I'm just not sold and neither are you and neither is the rational person. They're not. They're not sold. But do I like the way Trump acted? Did Trump uh, get this thing squared away quick enough, fast enough? Like a rational person? No. Do I consider it petty nonsense garbage? Yes, I do. I always have. I think this is the part that that really gets to people. They're like, all right, he's not never Trump because he just said he'd vote for him. But listen to him, like, go at, go at Trump. Yes, I go at things that I think are wrong. I discuss them. I don't shy away from them. I don't understand the people who shy away from things. That's based on idol worship, and that ain't my bag, baby. And you know what? I don't think it's your bag either.
Now that I've said this about Mike Pence, that I I, I agree that uh, Trump acted poorly and Trump did not protect him. Let me state for the record something I've already stated for the record. Mike Pence will not get the nomination for the presidency. Hey, Tony, didn't you say that about Joe Biden? You shut your face. Joe Biden had the benefit of COVID and going from the basement and working out a deal with Jim Clyburn. The guy was talking up segregationists, and then you had Jim Clyburn say, no, 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 black people vote for him, and you had Kamala Harris calling him a segregationist, saying, I'd love to be your vice president. (laughs) Democratic Party is weird, man. Ah, politics makes strange bedfellows. Bob Dole picked Jack Kemp. That is one of the great stories in political history. Uh, the story that I have always heard about Jack Kemp um, is, is that Kemp, first of all, Kemp hated Dole. And and once said, uh, uh, Bob Dole's, the library in Bob Dole's house burnt down and both books were destroyed. <laughs> That's such a good line. <laughs> it's so good. Screw you. That line is awesome. I like Vice President Pence, he's not going to get the nomination. I understand the campaign he is going to run. He's not going to get the nomination because he's going to play a decency card, a strong conservative values card, a man of faith card who will never apologize for being opposed to abortion. But he cannot ever get that MAGA voter. He cannot get it. I am not yet so certain that Ron DeSantis couldn't. Or that Greg Abbott, the governor of Texas, couldn't. I am not so convinced of this. I do not so yet believe it. I get what the argument is. I get what the argument is. Guys, I get it. And we're going to drink a lot and we're going to talk a lot before we get to that promised land of of 2024 candidates. We're going to get there. I promise. So what's Trump going to do? I don't know. I assume he's going to announce. Do I think that endorsing him is the, the right move? Not really. And honestly, I like Congressman Banks a lot. I don't get this move. I'm trying to figure out where the political chess is here. I don't see it. I don't see it. Maybe it won't hurt at all. Maybe it will. I will tell you that there are plenty of people who vote for Trump if there's no other option. Those people will just as easily go to DeSantis and want to. They don't want what Trump brings in the baggage. And this midterm is going to hurt Trump because while the MAGA people may disavow and deny and and say, how dare you bring up what happened with the people who Trump supported and how they didn't work in so many races, the reality is going to keep punching him in the face. And there are going to be a lot of ads that show that. 2024 has started, so, you know, we got that. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz. Man, I've been running long. I got to 
I gotta start taking a look at the clock when I do this show. TonyCats.locals.com. This is Tony Katz today. Keep it right here. More coming up.